0: To win that test and win the test series is what I want to be contributing and to do that on foreign soil away from home and to be a little bit a part of history, it was really cool and I guess my whole mental game is being so committed to them every day not just when you play, not just when you bat but actually really living them, training them as much as you can so it gives you that balance that if you had a bad day at cricket or you've had a bad day at the books, that's not everything in your life and you know, crickets are for a, Certain part of your life, and hopefully that goes
1: on for a little bit longer. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have Henry Nichols, black cap cricketer, uh, join us here today, which is fantastic. He's currently the seventh ranked batsman globally in Test cricket, so fantastic to have him here. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk uh, a lot about his mental evolution uh, around how he approaches the game and some of the processes and systems and mindsets that he's evolved over time to now culminate in him being one of the best cricketers in the world, which is fantastic. Uh, I'm interviewing uh, Henry from Brisbane. Uh, He's uh, at home in crisis, enjoying some downtime between uh, test series, uh, which is fantastic. So in the end, I think you'll get some really simple takeaways around not only what works for him in sport, but a lot of the principles are also true outside of sport, whether that's in business or life in general. So... Thank you for joining us. Uh, I trust you enjoy it. Um, And certainly next time, uh, tune in for uh, for our next guest. We've got some fantastic uh, interviewees uh, coming on board with the the podcast. So uh, look forward to joining us in future episodes. Thank you. I'm Sean McCambridge, Managing Director of Stellar Recruitment. Thanks for joining me on this journey to uncover the secrets of inspirational leaders. The reason I put this together is to share the unique journeys of these successful individuals and really unpack how they've achieved success and hopefully inspire others to do similar things. So thanks for tuning in and listening, and I hope you enjoy the series. So uh, Henry, thanks for joining us here today, mate. Really appreciate you taking the time to share your journey, and from what I understand, it's been a, a really interesting one. but. uh maybe for those that don't know a great deal uh, about you uh, can maybe we just sort of start at the beginning and just sort of talk about um, your background a few quick questions about you know when did when and where did you pick up a cricket bat for the first time and as a young fellow that sort of fell in love with cricket who was uh, who was the player you most admired uh, when you were uh, a younger uh, individual
0: yeah thanks for having me Sean i've actually heard a couple of uh, your podcasts before so it was quite exciting when um, this opportunity came about, but I, I guess for me, um, being the youngest of, of three boys in the family, to um, head playing cricket, it was sort of a bit of an inevitability about it. Um, and you know, I was really lucky that we grew up um, at a family home, 25 minutes out of Christchurch, uh, on a on a decent sized section where we had a big backyard. It was initially, I think, Mum had planned it, it was a tennis. The tennis net would always go up, but it would always come down, and we'd always play backyard cricket on it. So. Um, you know, as it was, it was uh, when I was young was a lot of lot of BYC, a lot of watching dad and then my older brothers play and it just sort of flowed into that. I guess as well when I was a young guy, looking back, um, the era that Canterbury Cricket had with so many great players who we were playing for the Black Cats, Stephen Fleming, Nathan Astle, Craig McMillan, um, Chris Ken's like I guess we were quite lucky as well that though we we're watching those guys not only play for New Zealand, but they're from our home province, you know, they used to play at Lancaster Park. We'd go along and watch them there. So, um, I guess in those you call them the formative years of your your love of cricket. Um, for me, was was probably really lucky having those having those role models to look up to, as well as two older brothers, um, who uh, who didn't give me an inch. So it was pretty cool. Um, pretty cool childhood, really.
1: Absolutely. Now, uh, I, I guess the the whole way we sort of come about talking today is a good mate of yours, uh, Tim, um, and someone who I work with. Uh, shared your evolution as an athlete um, but I, I guess what really resonated to me, we touched on this before the podcast, was your mental or mindset uh, or mental skills evolution and I guess that's where I guess I'll probably focus most of my questions today because that's what really sort of sparked my interest but just sort of building on that, my understanding through some of the basic research I did before the, the, the chat is I understand that you made most age group uh, cricket teams growing up, with the exception of maybe the New Zealand under-19s before, clearly going on to represent Canterbury and, and now the Black Caps, uh, which is great. But can you maybe just sort of reset the clock a little bit and just sort of maybe describe a 17- or 18-year-old version of Henry Nichols in terms of talent, work ethic and mindset? Can you, you paint a bit of a picture for the listeners?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, some of us I said before in terms of when you look back and um, I certainly think Throughout high school, you know, I, I was a good player, I guess, and I had some success, I guess, and you make those under 15, under 13, 15, 17 tournament teams, Canterbury represent them. Um, and even my last year of high school, you know, I, did, I guess I did well, but um, well, in the same year group at a different school was uh, Tom Latham, whose obviously dad was Rod Latham, and actually at my school as well was Matt McEwan, whose dad was Paul McEwan. So both those guys represented New Zealand, and those two were the same age as me and coming through. They were just so dominant. They were... Who you would definitely have said at that time would go on and at least play for Canterbury to play for New Zealand. Obviously, Tom's done that. Um, Matt's gone on to play for uh, play for Canterbury and a couple of other provinces and done really well. And um, I'm not so sure that a lot of people would have said that about my about me. Um, I guess I, would, I look back and probably think that I was. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I was a case of that. I probably didn't have the a lot of the shots or the ability to score a lot of quick runs. But I guess what probably helped me um, was the fact that I sort of found a way to score runs. And, um, you know, I was really set on playing in the Under-19 World Cup and, you know, having made the New Zealand 17s tournament team and um, done pretty well there. Moving into the 19s, I probably put a lot of pressure on myself wanting to make that uh, World Cup team. The World Cup was going to be in New Zealand. Um, It was obviously my last year of school, so leaving school, knew that that would... You know, open up a few opportunities in terms of um, out of school and actually make that decision in terms of what I was going to do um, a bit easier. And I guess when I missed out on it at the time, as you are as a young kid, you you think that's the world. And when I missed out on that, it was it was probably one of the yeah, well, definitely one of the toughest moments um, for me. Uh, you know, I built it up to be this big thing, and I probably I had an okay tournament, uh, the tournament to try and make New Zealand team. But when I look back, and I don't think I really enjoyed it the tournament at all. I was putting so much pressure on myself, wanting to do well. Wanted to score runs, not not to actually, and it wasn't from a selfish point of view, but I wanted to score runs just so I could do well and make that you know the dream I had to play for New Zealand under 19s at, at a home World Cup and in front of my fans, a friendly uh sorry family and friends. So yeah, I look back at that um, that experience is probably a real catalyst for me in terms of the way the way I view my cricket in terms of um, you know I'm very lucky to be doing what I'm doing, but also it is just a game, and I think that really gave me the, the impetus to stay hungry with my cricket, but also stay philosophical about it and make sure that I kept enjoying it. And, you know, you look back at the kid when you were young and you played it because you enjoyed it you didn't play it because of the opportunities and making teams or, you know, all this other stuff. So yeah, this is certainly coming through the age groups and, and even in that 19s, um, my, you know, you call it talent or whatever it is, um, certainly wasn't wasn't evident. I don't think. You know, you talked to a lot of coaches who probably coached me, and they'd say, yeah, the same thing in terms of future prospects or whatever it was. It probably wasn't destined to uh, play international cricket.
1: So, I mean, fast forward today, and I think technically uh, as of now, there thereabouts, at least, you're the seventh best batsman in the world for Test cricket, which is pretty remarkable. And I think we talked about before. As a young fella, sort of you hoped that that would be possible, but you know the reality of that is slim. I mean, there's thousands of cricketers vying for that sort of uh, position, but you've got there. So I want to sort of go back to, you know, I guess uh, that mindset piece, and, and really start to unpack that a little bit, and start with a question around self doubt. I mean, what can you share with us about your relationship with self doubt? Oh, I think
0: self doubt, especially in cricket, and especially as a batsman, is probably one of the most prevalent emotions you do have you know it's it's such a fickle game and it's such a it's a cruel game at times you know you know the way i try and try and i guess overcome that self-doubt a bit is through i guess acknowledging that you know from my point of view anyway when i go out to bat for a team very rarely have i come off um satisfied or saying that yep i couldn't have done any more then you know if you go out and get a hundred even if you get hundred not out chasing, a lot of the time I'm still thinking, oh, well, what could I've done a bit better to help the team here and there? So I guess if you flip it on its head and say, when you're not going so well, well, if you're not if you're not satisfied, you know, you're never fully satisfied when you're going really well. Then I guess you can't be can't be too hard on yourself um, when it's not going well. And I think that's the biggest thing with cricket is the ability for guys not to get too down themselves. Um, and it is very hard to do. You know, it is a team sport. Um, there is eleven guys and. The more, and it's something that I know in this black caps team I've really tried to buy into is that um, enjoying that success and enjoying the little things that go into the team contributions. You know, when you go out for performance, there's only a certain amount of guys who are going to do exceptionally well. You know, in cricket, you're measured by hundreds, fifers, all these stats, but really, if you're going out every game, um, trying to get those things is a very, I guess it's a bit of a lonely existence as well. You know, I, I, something I've really enjoyed about the Black Caps team is our ability to to enjoy each other's little contributions. You know, it might only be a test match, and they might not get too many runs, but you're better for a tough hour at the start when the ball was doing lots, or just those little things that we value that necessarily the public or the media might not see or value. So um, you talk about self doubt. I think also the age we live in now, with a lot of social media and a lot more lot more uh, platform for people's opinions to be out there it, it's really tough it can be really tough for young guys coming through and that can also be something that um is it you know you, you do learn i guess around um you know the same people who are, are writing when you're doing well and you're coming up through the through the teams or the grades or whatever it is and you know when you're not doing so well um they're they're writing the other stuff about it so I guess it's just trying to stay level with things, you know, and you don't going well, not too high as I spoke about, and certainly vice versa. When you're not going that well, it's just trying to find a way to, to really, I guess, just be honest and, and say, you know, sometimes more, you can just accept it a little bit and say, oh, look, it's cricket. You know, sometimes you're not going to play the, the perfect shot and you might not play the perfect shot. And one day you might nick it. And the other day you might plan miss five of them and no one remembers it. So it's a fickle game. It's a game that, um, I think it has a lot of connotations in in everything we're doing, you know, outside of cricket as well in terms of, um, yeah, just really trying to control what you can control and a lot of the other stuff is very much out of your control as a batsman.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds like you're doing a really good job of – just trying to keep a bit of perspective about the whole uh, thing. I mean, at the end of the day, there is an element of luck. And uh, some days it goes to the boundaries. Uh, the next day, you know, you, you, you spin it to someone and you get caught. So I guess there's uh, margins of errors are small, but it seems like you're doing a really good job uh, keeping those things in perspective. But I mean, I guess I want to, you know, move on to this next question, which to me is a bit of an interesting one because, my understanding you took a bit of a direction towards developing your mental skill set and you partnered up with uh, John Quinn, who's an individual that uh, you'd known for some time from school and he was, uh, my understanding, he was a mental skills coach for Canterbury. So can you sort of share what you did to shift your mental skills in the right direction with John? And there was there anything else sort of concurrent with that that you did reading or anything else to sort of try and unpack how the mind works and try and get it working for you I guess what can you share on that regard uh
0: yeah so John Quinn um you know he was uh when I went to school at St Andrews he was a the counselor there um and so I guess I formed a bit of a relationship with him through my my old my middle brother Willie who um he started going to the gym with him in the mornings before school and I sort of As a younger brother, I sort of tag along, along with Willie and John, and um, I guess you know, looking back now, but at the time, unbeknowing, I think a lot of the things, in terms of the work ethic, um, you know, understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it, was really formed at that time. Um, You know, I was going before school, um, you know, I had you know rugby training after school three times a week as well as a bit of cricket training. I think, you know, he's. That was sort of the catalyst for our relationship, and I'm very, very fortunate, I guess, to have him still around. Now, like I might say, he works for, works for Canterbury Cricket as well as Canterbury Rugby. Um, and you know, moving forward through our relationship, I probably after my, I think my second season, you know, when I played for Canterbury, I had a really good first season, first six or seven games, um, got a contract the following year, and had a really bad season. You know, couldn't got the old score here and there, but. Um, Similar to I uh, talk about that 90s experience, I was, wasn't doing that well and actually wasn't really enjoying it. And I sort of had a chat to him around it and um, was just saying some of the things around just not really enjoying it. And um, I got to a point where I sort of, and after our conversations accepted, I said, Look, if I, you know, if cricket's not meant to be for me, um, I want to at least know that, you know, I'm playing my way and I'm going to, and it's a way that I've, you know, in terms of the way, the way I play, I guess my cricket uh, approach, you know, the way I, way I bat, do even like that, I want to, I guess, be true to that, um, not go out there and just try and score a 50 or a 100 so that I get another game or you get another whatever. You're actually going out there every every game, every innings, believing and trusting the way that I play and, I, and that's what I can live with and I can, if it doesn't work out, then well, at least I know I've done, been true to myself in terms of every, all the work I've done, for instance, I've been a young, young kid um, and then... I think that was really the catalyst for it. And even I look back now, same with my Black Caps career, you know, at times when you, well, especially early on after you struggled a bit and it's a similar situation where you're, you know, are you trying to, what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to, I guess, score runs and stuff like that so that you feel part of the team or that, you know, so that, you know, the, the media who's saying, should he be in the team or not? So they don't say that. But I think if you get too caught up in trying to, I guess appease other people's uh, view of you or expectations like that, then you sort of ride a bit of a wave of you score runs and that's great. And then if you're not scoring runs, you back down. And I guess I'm trying to find a bit more of a consistent and not just be judged by runs. And that's something me, me and John talked about was what my definition of success is. And I guess my definition, if definition of success heading into each game isn't so much, or isn't at all based around how many runs I get. It's around the stuff that I can control, the, my preparation heading into the game, everything I'm doing in terms of what I can control. So that's that's really important, especially around the mindset stuff you can control. Um, and also, I guess, just being relaxed enough to know that, you know, in cricket, you want to, test cricket, you want to score runs for the team and do your role. You need to do that over five, six more hours. You know, it's, uh, and if I guess if every ball you're really sweating on, on the result, on the outcome of it, then you sort of get lost in a, in a blur of um, not even really know what's going on. So for me, it's trying to, I guess, really be true to myself in terms of successes that I know um, are important to me. And then, you know, when they don't come off being really honest and in that reflection, And I think that's the biggest thing um, for me moving forward still is so much, so much more to learn. But I think, you know, all the work I have done with John is around that learning aspect of it. Everything is a learning opportunity good or bad, still trying to find each opportunity to reflect on that, take what you need from that and move on again. So, yeah, that's, um, yeah, like I say, very lucky to have had that early experience with um, John Quinn at St Andrews and that's really flowed on to what is a more of a working relationship now whereas I think back then I was certainly listening to him a lot um, whereas now I think, you know, we can have good discussions around, around different things and, you know, the game of cricket is certainly evolving um, and with it. I guess we do as well, so it's uh, yeah, it's very exciting and I say very fortunate.
1: So was that something that John helped you define or discover in terms of being true to the to, to playing my way, uh, helping you define success, helping you, you know, yeah, that notion of control the controllables and you know win or lose, you know, either which way, it's a learning opportunity. Was that were they things or, or a process he took you on to sort of uh, label those things or help you with those?
0: Yeah, it was, you know, it's something that we probably discussed around, around that, you know, you know, he'd ask, you know, I guess, probably, I'm sure initially he said, what were your successes? i was probably, in session, he'd he would have said, you know, oh, I got, you know, 80 odd here or whatever here, but actually trying to strip that back to something like, say, you can not control, because I think your ability to, to be clear on what you can control actually allowed me to not worry about the things I can't control. The ability to actually effectively let it go and say, sometimes, you're going to get a good ball, and you're going to be walking back, and you might not get another bat for four or five days. But hey, that's okay because I know in that moment I was I was focused on what I could control, and then also uh, it's uh, it's a really tough con- it is a tough concept, you know. It's something that when I first took it on board, especially with Canterbury, it was it worked really well for me, and I was really comfortable with it. And I guess the real test of it is when I think you call it the stakes get higher, whatever. But you know, when you are playing international cricket and everything is scrutinized even more, it's I guess for me. It took a little bit of time to actually be comfortable with comfortable with trying to say, Well, this is what I did for Canterbury, why am I change, why am I getting so outcome focused now? Just because of international cricket, just because there's more scrutiny and focus on it and you know, that's, that's a bit of a moment for me probably was before I scored my first test hundred. Um, I probably played <clears throat> I don't know, maybe twelve or fourteen tests, hadn't got a hadn't got a hundred and it was probably talked about quite a bit in the media and um, we played our first test against the South African side and Dunedin and I think I only got about 14 or whatever batted for 45 minutes or something, but I was actually really happy with how I batted. And I, so I guess I had the he it, the balls or the confidence to actually, you know, talk to the the batting coach, coachman after and just say. He said, oh, "What do you think?" I said, "I actually, I was I was really happy with how I played. You know, I, the ball I got out on, it wasn't wasn't a great decision, but it was also the guy took a one handed catch and sometimes needed need a little bit of luck. And I think for me to have the courage to actually say that because I did believe it. I believe that if I knew that if I played that way I did there for 45 minutes I just had to keep playing at every ball then that would result in something down the line that would help the team get towards the goal we wanted and I think there's no coincidence the next next innings at Wellington I got my first Test 100 and you know, against the South attack that was, it was pretty intimidating. I think it was a real good lesson for me and something um, that I've certainly learnt from um, and I say a lot of the time it is trying to have that courage to you know to, to to know that what you believe in does work and it's and it's but it's interesting one in cricket and any sport I'm sure in terms of you say my way and everything like that can you still need to find that balance of being you know being able to talk with, especially with coaches around around your game and uh, it's you know it, it is a fine balance because you don't want to be too closed minded and say oh, no, this is the way I play this is the way I do things so I think you know to talk about that learning side of things I think it's really important that there is um, there is a balance between the two, um, and I found for me that, say, the more I can be clear on the way I play, but still at the right time being able to talk, talk with coaches, to, even with other players, it's some of the best conversations you have with other players around how they do things, um, and that's so I say the learning never really stops.
1: Absolutely. Now it seems like you. Um... You shows really good self-awareness in that sort of process to identify some of those things, but also have the courage to sort of note that whilst you got 14 and, and 45 minutes, you still felt like you were playing the way you wanted to. And I guess the other thing that sort of sticks out to me and is something that I want to sort of pick up and run with a little bit is you sort of shifted from outcome focus to focusing on the process itself and control those controllables. So... Just sort of moving on from that, you know, the self-discovery and the coaching that sort of come with with, with John and, and sort of uh, implementing some of those things. Can you talk uh, a little bit more about, you know, the processes or the formula for your success that appears to be working for you, like we touched on before? You're obviously a highly ranked uh, batsman now, maybe at the back end of some of those processes. So is there anything you can sort of share further to what you've touched on already around some of those processes or formulas you use to achieve success?
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess, you know, it's, you know, it a, I wouldn't say great irony, but it is, you know, the, the more, I guess, the more work I've done in this area, you turn on the mental skills and with John Quinn, even that has sort of made things even simpler. Um, You know, made things, I guess, I look at my processes now and they're very simple. They're, you know, as simple as Mm. just watching the ball, trusting my instincts. A lot of that is around that. And I think I, you know, I can, you know, I look at the people I sort of, I guess you surround yourself with or you train with, but in Canterbury here we've got a couple of guys: Matt, uh, Matt Henry, Tom Latham, the same age as me. Um, we're all playing for Canterbury. We're all playing for New Zealand at times, and I guess having those guys in similar situations around you when you train, um, knowing that you put the work in, I guess allows you then to have that confidence to when you look at things and be like, okay, I've you know I've now I've done this base of work. And actually, allows you when at the right time for my processes to be very simple in terms of that, you know, not, not trying to overthink it. I think, you know, that that's really important. Everyone talks about, you know, when you're playing your best, it's, you're not really thinking and it's really simple. And I think that is the case, but also you need to try, you need to create that through the work you do behind the scenes. So actually it's not just a uh, heading out there and just, I guess, keeping things very simple and hoping that it's actually knowing that, okay, I've done this work in preparation for this, So now I can just go out and trust my instincts. i have put that time in, you know, whatever 10,000-hour rule or whatever is for skills. But knowing that, put the work in, that's actually – the fun part is playing cricket. It is, you know, whatever you're doing, It's that's – the final product is actually the fun part, and it should be the fun part. And I guess finding – knowing that for me, my processes of just keeping it so simple as watching the ball, staying still is how I actually enjoy that and not worrying about – you know, I've, I've got a start. I need to kick on here, or you know, I need to score runs this game. It's actually actually really enjoying those processes, you know. And it's you see it. All, I think you know, the more you see it in sport and Philadelphia's seventy uh, sixes in the NBA, the big phrase is trust the process. And it's you know, I, I think the more I've looked into it anyway, and more I've read about you know um, great players, championship teams, everything like that, is their ability to I guess trust the process, but. For me, as I said it just before, was around how do you get to that place where you can trust the process, and I believe it is the work you have to put in, the hard work you have to put in, the work ethic, and it's not just a, you know, you do what you need to. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You know, it's every day, but being conscious of what you're doing in terms of what your goal is. Your goal is, you know, if it's playing on whenever it is a tour away in a couple of weeks, or you're working, everything you're doing is towards that. So then, when you can getting to the, when you're out in the middle, it is as simple as just watching the ball
1: reacting. Now, some awesome stuff in that. And I guess uh, one of the things that sort of really sticks out to me is the internal conversation or the internal language that you're using changed significantly from I've got to start, I've got to go on to, you know, uh, relying on the fact that, you know, just in in a simplistic form, uh, watch the ball, stay still, trust your instinct and rely on the fact that you've done the hard work and you know the final product should be fun you, you, you and almost trusting and being vulnerable in the fact that stop trying to control everything actually just trust in this in the sense that you've done the work and now's the time to sort of perform and this is the byproduct of everything else that's come with it
0: yeah just following on from that, what you said about the start and i remember distinctly when i was I, think I was 18 or 17 and um we're playing playing i think with sunday games and so sort of representative team games and I must have been hitting it okay each weekend, sort of getting 30 to 40. And the coach would always say to me, oh, you know, you need to kick on from those starts. You need to kick on from those start. starts. And, you know, that that's effectively always said to me. So, you know, what would happen when you, you get 30 and you're like, oh, I need to kick on from the start. So every ball, I'm thinking I need to kick on from the start. And if you need to kick on from the start, you need to bat for another hour, hour and a half, two hours. And if each second you're thinking about, the, the outcome and I said at the time I you know I didn't obviously know this but um, not only does it not work it didn't work at all for me more thing of that but it actually it wasn't fun it was very draining it was very um, I guess negatively geared in terms of you need to do this as opposed to well how did I get to this point I got to this point through playing to my game plan and keeping it that simple and all it is is like they spoke about a little bit of vulnerability and saying I'm going to keep playing this way it, it might not work out this time but I know that if I keep playing the same way I've been playing, trusting that, then that's how I will kick on from the start. So that was a very poignant moment for me, I guess, um, was that, you know, the language you say around it and especially especially with coaching of, you know, of young guys and guys coming through, it can be very technical at times and I think um, that for me really, um, the mental side of it really was the catalyst for me to kick on from those starts What was what he wanted and that was... He was, he was meaning more from a technical technical point of view, I think. But for me, it was actually a mental point of view, which allowed me to come go from the start. So it was, it was quite funny looking back to that now.
1: Now, great Thanks. distinction and realisation um, uh, on that sort of front. And I guess, you know, you touched on before, it's such a transparent game. It's such a brutal game. There's data everywhere. So everyone sort of knows when you're playing well or not. Out of interest, you might not have the absolute figures, but even just throw some approximate numbers what was your betting average pre maybe some of this intervention with John and, and your process and that? Uh, and and now, you know, maybe since, you know, that uh, intervention or that process sort of started with, with John or and other things, what's, what's your average now? Can you sort of talk to the listeners about, you know, maybe what those numbers look like pre and post this intervention?
0: Um, oh, yeah, I, could, I couldn't tell you the, the exact numbers, <laughs> but I know sort of, you know, you look back at the test, um, my test career is obviously still on at the moment, but I mean, I think, you know, was at that moment I talked about it against Africa before I got my first 100, and I was probably averaging in the mid to late 20s. Um, and then I guess I consider that sort of the catalyst for when I, I guess, started not playing my way, but the way that I um, wanted to moving forward. And it was probably true to me, and I, guess, I think I'm averaging 44 or something like that now. So, um, but like you say, you know, the numbers in cricket are, it's a very funny thing. You know, we've got a guy, Kane Williamson. He's the captain of all three formats. He's one of the most fantastic players uh, in the world. you know he's rated in the top ten, I think in all three formats and you know you see a guy like him genuinely not care about um any of the numbers, knowing that I guess a lot of the time he runs a little bit different, but the more people do um put the focus on the numbers it, it 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 detracts away from i guess what the team's trying to do a lot of the time, especially you know we're playing limited overs formats where you know, it's, there's always the bigger picture in terms of getting a team to a total or chasing down a total. And um, sometimes you're too focused on the milestones and numbers that can detract from that goal. So, you know, he's, a, he's one that I guess I drew a bit of inspiration from and rounds. Um, you know, while those, the, the, the numbers in cricket are cool and it's what most people talk about, it's, um, it's not really, for me, a driver at all um, yeah, in my career.
1: Now then, that's fantastic in the sense that, uh, well, you you know, basically what you're saying, and and maybe it's Keynes' philosophy, is you know, trust the process and enjoy the game, and the numbers look after themselves. Don't worry about that. You know, that'll sort itself out. But if you you trust your processes and you're enjoying yourself, then you know those numbers will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. just sort of building on this a little bit, and clearly you need a base level of talent to become an international cricketer. Um, that's uh, that's a given. But I mean, once you sort of qualify and you get into that sort of general sort of level uh, or pre-qualification, in your opinion, you know, how much of uh, you know high performance success in international crick- cricket is, is mental versus talent?
0: Oh, I think yeah, I think certainly when you get to the international level. Um, I think even probably the domestic level as well that the talent is very similar. Um, you know, you'll see guys with some of the natural talent in terms of the way they might do things, the way um, the way they hit the cricket ball, or they are able to do things ac- acrobatically in the field and stuff. That is it is unique, but I think you know I look back at especially around school cricket, or you know and we all know people who are at high school with the the next big thing or even like that. And I think um, you know talent is a is a pretty fickle thing, and it certainly takes you to a point, but I think. At the level, I say I play it now. I guess everyone's talent's pretty similar, and I yes say the mental side of things, and I guess the mindset, um, especially with cricket, is is oh, I guess any sport really is the crucial factor. And I guess um, you know you look at how people. I guess oh, I look at myself. How you know when you have success, that's great. But how can you have more consistent success? And I think that's the biggest thing. How can you, you know, you have a you have a good day, you have a bad day, trying to find I guess some some familiar ground in the two and trying to make that as consistent as I can and for me the processes um, are what what links um, I guess my whole mental game is around being so committed to them every day not just when you play not just when you bat but actually really living them training them as much as you can so that you can um, I guess when you play you just go out there and you trust them and that's what you're effectively judging yourself on because I think everyone else will judge you on the on the re- results and about like that and I think if you get too caught up in, in that you can ride the wave I think especially as, as a young guy when you come in you want to do well because you want to show everyone that you know you belong at that team at that level um but I don't think it's overly sustainable when you are just trying to you know, say Get runs and then you ride the wave. When you do get runs, it's great. And then when you don't, you're down. And I guess you're trying to find that, that mid level. And then, you know, that, that self doubt, which you which also spoke about earlier is, is in cricket, is it really can't be crippling. You know, I heard Alistair Cook, who finished a, an amazing career um, end of last year. And he talked about even in the back end of his career, the self doubt that he had a guy who scored 12,000 test runs or whatever it is, The just behind Tendulkar in terms of hundreds and everything like that. And he's, He's still having self doubt, so I think it is something that is sometimes um, you know, it's not really talked about in the shed in the change room or amongst triggering circles. But when everyone's feeling it and everyone's having the same, I guess, doubts and worries, it's, it's something that we spoke about also the vulnerability side of it. The more you are able to talk to other guys about it, um, whether that be players or John Quinn has been a great one for me, building that building that bridge in terms of being able to talk about it has actually removed a lot of a lot of the burden, knowing that other guys are thinking the exact same thing, and it's not just uh, not just something that you're dealing with. So it's a it is a really fascinating. Um, so you talk about the mental versus talent side of things, and um, you know, I think oh, I've certainly found that the 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 importance um, of understanding, being aware of mentally where you are at, um, especially when you're at the higher level, and there is more more uh, focus, uh, more scrutiny on uh, what you're doing.
1: You know, I think you make uh, some fantastic points there, particularly, you know, when you sort of talk about Alistair Cook and, you know, one of the most successful batsmen of all time, uh, saying that he suffered with self-doubt, which, you know, to me sort of just sort of says that, you know, it's normal. Self-doubt's normal and sort of normalising self-doubt as opposed to, I think, there's times, you know, when it's less talked about, then you sort of think, what's wrong with me? Is it me? Am I the only person that experienced self-doubt and not being vulnerable enough to discuss it because there's a stigma, but like you say, when you actually start talking about it and realise it's kind of normal, you kinda of remove that burden, that mental burden, which maybe frees you up to play the game that you want to, ironically, rather than sort of suffering in silence on your own.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something for, for myself. You know, I'm not because I'm still a young guy, but I come back and play for Canterbury and I trying to have those conversations with young guys knowing that um, it is half of them. You know, you're in a you're in an environment when you're young and you're wanting to impress you the coach, and everything like that, and you know I guess the coach comes up to you and says, "You know how are you doing and and i i know if I guess I'm still the same you know even if you're struggling, you're going to say, yeah I'm good, you know I want to play the next game, you don't want to i guess um you know show any you call it doubt or weakness, i guess, but it's about actually having those conversations because when you, when everyone is having the same thoughts um and no one's talking about it it's yeah, it can be a really lonely place, and I think even no, take that even a little bit further than just cricket actually you know men in general you talk about men's health and about like that it is actually just having this conversation and showing a little bit of vulnerability and you just do find out that um you know i'm not yeah you know, I'm, I'm not i'm not by myself with this it's not something that's just me it's actually it's actually something that you know affects everyone in it and it's, it's it's being okay with that as well you know i think that's what you learn by talking about it is it's actually okay sometimes to doubt yourself and to be to be struggling because. Hey, uh, we've all been there, and we're actually, and that's the beauty of cricket. I think when you get to that point, is you got a squad of what, 11 guys playing. There's a squad of 15, 16 people, and you actually enjoy it more when you are sharing each other's. I guess you know, those tough moments because when they do have the great moments, you know that um, there's more to it than just scoring runs. It's actually what you've all been through,
1: um, you know, with your own own little battles, uh, own mental battles. Uh, fantastic point and I think you're dead right self-doubt extends way beyond sport it, it goes into every aspect of life and um, everyone's touched by it one way so I think yeah there needs to be more conversations around that to sort of uh I guess like you say remove that burden and, and normalize that and maybe sort of share some of those tough times together and, and rather than sort of battling on your own and, and obviously there's a big impact uh on mental health uh with people suffering in silence so you yeah, know certainly encourage people to talk more about it like you say but um I guess I want to, I want to push the conversation outside of cricket for a moment. You're obviously passionate, you're focused, you, you enjoy what you do. You're at the highest echelon of the game. What do you do to switch off and get away from the game? And, and in your opinion, how important is that to remain in a healthy mental state?
0: Yeah, I think the balance um, that you speak about outside of the game is massively important. I know. You know, you look back at when I talked about that not under nineteens and missing out on um, that New Zealand team, and it was everything to me. And um, you know, while I had you know other stuff going on, it was really such a focus to me that I just it just it just threw me, I guess. And I I look at it now and got to try and find a way to, you know, I mean, cricket's great. We're very privileged to for me to be in a position where I'm, you know, it is my job, and I get to play cricket for my job. And it's you know, you today, for instance, you know, it's a bit of a quiet week, and I. Went to the gym this morning and then I hit balls for two hours and that was my day at work. So it, it's a pretty privileged position we're in and I think the balance that you speak about um, is so important. You know, I like to I – like, I love sports. So, you know, a lot of guys on the team as well like to play golf. Um, you know, we like to like to play any sort of racket sport really and, and that's really important, I guess, for that balance. And also, you know, following on from John Quinn is I love reading books. Um, a lot of sport books but also books – we've spoken about around mindset um how that works in the business world and even like that it's um it is really important the balance because i I, I certainly know when i um have something else going on or when i'm you know either it's a new hobby or you're doing a bit of study it just gives you that balance that if you had a bad day at cricket or you've had a bad day at the books that's not everything in your life and you know crickets are for a certain part of your life and hopefully that goes on for a little bit longer but um it is, yeah, it's, I can't emphasize the importance enough, especially for young guys as well, coming through. You know, putting that pressure on yourself when cricket is everything. Um, you do have to commit yourself, but it's also enjoying enjoying their ride. And I think when you have that balance, that certainly helps that.
1: What's the book you've enjoyed most and why? You know, maybe around that sort of genre of, of mental skills or, or mindset and that sort of thing. Is there anything you can sort of touch on that?
0: Uh, yeah, it was a book, um, I think it was called, I don't know how many rings it was, but Phil Jackson's one of our, he talked about the Chicago Bulls and how Michael, Michael Jordan you know, won the scoring title in the league, I think it was three or four times in a row, but but hadn't won a title and it wasn't until he really, yeah, I guess Phil Phil Jackson brought the, the match to him, but that he had to, I guess, give up that scoring title to win championships and the importance of you know, he, was a, he became aware of that, that, you know, you have to, it's a team game for us to succeed. We have to, you know, they've got the triangle offense, whatever, involved three key players. We actually had to trust other guys more with the ball. And I think that extends on to, you know, I guess, guess what I'm trying to do in terms of taking away from the obvious of runs or whatever you usually judge by and actually buying into something that's a bit bigger, buying into, you know, the Black Cats team first mantra and you know that team first isn't always the obvious results but it's each day putting putting in what you think the team needs and always assessing at each moment regardless if we're playing or it's it's a day off but it's actually is what I'm doing right now the best for the team am I always giving to the cause and I think that's really important so um you know I've read a book recently as well by James Kerr about the All Blacks and he had a bit of an insight into you know the way the way they go about things, it's very similar to that. You know, good people becoming better people, become better all blacks. I think you know they you, you find that balance between what we spoke about before that balance of wanting to be a great athlete, great cricketer, great rugby player, but actually also being a good person. You know, you're a, you're a caretaker. You know, for the for the jersey. You know, for me myself. You know, I'm very lucky that you know I play cricket, and there's there's kids there who want your autograph afterwards, and it, it's pretty humbling that you're one of those kids and. Um, you know, someday you'll be a guy who did play for the Black Cats, doesn't anymore, and there'll be new people there. So I think it's about, yeah, sorry, getting a little bit off track here, but, um, but you know that no. you, you are, a, you know, you're in it for a, for a little, bit, little bit period of time and trying, I guess, make that position or, um, you know, place that jersey in a better place than when you, when you came. So the next person takes on continues that. Um, I think that's really important.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds like two great books. I think the book you're referring to is Legacy, and I've read that, and it's unbelievable by James Kerr, and it sounds like that book by Phil Jackson is really, really interesting. And I think uh, my understanding, segueing a little bit, is that's kind of the philosophy that Golden State Warriors have taken. They've moved away from... Individuals and individual metrics and all the rest of it whilst they're, they're obviously watching that but it's it's a, it's a team first it's a, it's a higher cause and it's, it's not about you know individuals scoring the most points whatever it's what's best for the team and our primary focus as a group is to do what's right for the team and obviously their the results speak for themselves so I think uh, some awesome um, takeaways there in some of those readings but yeah uh, I'm really interested in, you know, people that achieve success and and what sort of habits or rituals do they have to get the most out of themselves or each day or just perform at a high level. So you've talked about a few things already, but is there anything else that you, any habits or rituals that you sort of adopt or use to, to sort of optimize yourself of the day? Uh,
0: no, a lot of, lot of the work that um, John and I talked about was around um, making those, I guess, habits, good habits consistent um, and not – and not just, you know, relying on when it's when it's time to play or game time that you turn them on to do all the right things, everything like that. Or when people are watching you do the right things, then it's actually, it's not just a diet, you know, it's actually a lifestyle and something that I think then flows on for me. I knew I know if I do that consistently, then it, it's before, it allows you to go out and just trust yourself and know that you've consistently done the right things over a period of time. And I think that's a it's a big one, you know, the difference of, not people, I guess, but I guess the attitudes of you know, I guess you see it in different different aspects. But people who, when there are people watching or people around, and the focus is on, and the hardest workers in the room. But you know, when that's all taken away, and you know, you're left to your own devices, do the same stuff that that work doesn't get done. So I think um, you know those habits for me are really important to consistently do them. It's not saying that I you know live live a perfect life in terms of. Um, doing everything perfectly uh, I, I just think it's like we spoke about being aware of the times when you you know you ha- have a bit of time off and you can just enjoy no- normal life and I guess that's for me at the moment it's a little bit of that um, sort of between series and the opportunity to, to be at home for a few days and while I'm still training i doing the fitness cricket side of things actually actually enjoying a bit of normality and sort of recharge a little bit so um, I guess the other side of I uh, talk about the routines is for me in the Wii has been and the last wee while has been trying to especially pre game or so that is actually to try and mix things up a little bit. Um in terms of what I'll do before a game, in terms of throwdowns or going to the next to have a hit. I've actually enjoyed trying to change that, um, each game and so just to try and get out of the I guess called them superstitions, you know, you get runs one day wearing these socks, um, you do it every game or we you know, you when I got a hundred I hit four hundred balls the morning of the game. I guess just trying to trying to keep that that fresh and it might seem a little bit, um, I guess well, but I guess if you people with people say if you know, if you did this thing when you did well, why don't you keep doing it? Um, I mean I guess the stuff you can control is important, but for me, um, you know, sometimes those things change, you know, sometimes the Nets aren't able to or maybe there's rain around, you can't do that. And I guess if you are so used and superstitious about wanting to bat before every game and you can't do that, then then where are you? Where, you know, what are you left with? So I think for me that's been really important. Um, trying to be clear on the definition between having routines and su- superstitions. And I think um, especially in cricket, like I say, it's a it's a fickle game where you see it a lot. You know, I've got my batting tight, so they always bat in. But um, you know, people do have a lot of superstitions, and I think that they're fine to, to a to a degree where they don't become um a crux. Yeah, but it's a. Certainly in the dressing room, you see people doing <laughs> similar stuff um, and it is quite funny actually.
1: Now I think that's uh, really, really good in the sense that uh, you see the benefits of consistency or habits or as you call it a lifestyle. I love that lifestyle but you're not so rigid that you can't mix it up or, or be flexible in your approach because, I guess, yeah, your processes work until the, 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 the scenario where you don't have an opportunity to execute that process. If the nets are different or you know the venue's different and you always do something a certain way and that done, the venue doesn't allow for it, then it basically sort of uh, disrupts that process and probably throws you into a bit of a tailspin. So you're leveraging rituals and the importance of rituals and, and habits and consistency but you're not so rigid that, you know, you're prepared to sort of change it up and, and mix up the process, which I, I think is uh, really, really good. Um, we talked before uh, about where you're ranked, your seventh uh, best batsman in the world in test rankings, which is uh, incredible in its own right. Get some really sort of keen to tap into, you know, without getting too far ahead of yourself, but you know, what do you want to achieve in the game Moving forward, or, or you know, conversely, outside of the game, you've got any sort of visions about what you want to achieve moving forward, and at the you know, I guess outside of cricket or, or within cricket.
0: Um, yeah, I guess that's the exciting, the exciting part of um, being international cricket is that there is always a lot of fixtures on the horizon. I mean, I we spoke about earlier, um, twenty nineteen being a big year of you know, uh, the cricket World Cup sign, um, there's the Test series, Boxing out Test in Australia, and um, it, it, it is something that um, you know, is exciting when you talk about it, and um, you have that on the horizon. But by the same, the same virtue, it's a, um, it's also a good test. I find it's a good test to actually, I guess, acknowledge that that stuff's there, but also know that that's a lot. There's a lot of cricket to be played before, and there's lots to go under the bridge. And I guess you're getting too far a- ahead of yourself, and you you miss, I guess, not even opportunities or anything like that, but actually, you miss being in the moment, actually enjoying enjoying what you're doing. So, I guess, like I say, it's it's being aware of it. Um, you know, that all that stuff in the future is pretty exciting and cool, but at the same token, you know, what you're doing right now at this moment um, and towards your next challenge um, is, is the most important thing. But, yeah, I guess the other thing and also the most important, as you spoke about outside of the game, um, you know, it's while I've run, well, I speak for myself, but I want to, you know, obviously want to do, have the best career you can possibly have, you know, be part of winning a lot of games for New Zealand, um, you know, being part of winning titles, um, hopefully World Cups, I um, mean, even like that. Um, but I think the biggest thing is how you're remembered and I don't think you know although I remember people won't be oh he was he averaged 100 or he averaged whatever it be that was, he was a good guy he you know he, he was a great guy to play with because he he actually cared about me he you know we had conversations about outside of cricket actually stuff that's important and I think that's really important for me and I'm starting to learn that more the, I guess the older I get and the more. You know, come back and play for Canary and there's a lot of younger guys. What sort of legacy can you leave? And I think that's really important, being aware of that, you know, trying to be the best team that I can be. Um, and actually, yeah, so you, I think you certainly enjoy enjoy it more when you're engaged in other people's success and you see the work that they do and actually really enjoying that for them. So, you know, cricket is a real – it is an individual game, but in the team setting. And I think the more that you can embrace it and enjoy each other's success, it certainly makes you, I guess, grateful for – you know, the opportunities you get um, and then also when you do well.
1: Yeah, no, well, I think you've, uh, you're you very pragmatic, and very self-aware and, and it seems like you're taking a pretty selfless approach to it, which I think uh, clearly working and, and I couldn't agree more with it. But uh, I want to sort of throw a question. It might be a hard one to answer perhaps or, or maybe there's something that really sticks out at you. But what's your proudest achievement in cricket thus far and why?
0: Um. Oh, I guess I guess outside of I mean, make, making my Test debut was um, yeah was certainly probably in terms of all three I've played all three formats. But Test cricket for me, um, you know, growing up watching Test cricket, knowing the history of the game um, was certainly one of my most proudest moments. You know, to to know that regardless of how many Tests you play, you play one or you play a hundred. You, you're you're a black cap and you've pulled on the black cap and I'm black cap number 269 and there's 268 well there's a few more now but others who have been in that club and it's a really when you think about it like that it's there's not a lot of people um in the history of New Zealand to have been lucky enough and you know, it is it is lucky enough you know very privileged to to have been that so um, it's certainly my test debut but I think recently probably um, was part of the the Black Caps side that won the Test Series over in the UAE. Um, it was our first time in 49, I think, years um, beating Pakistan away and being being part of that, um, you know, it was I uh, say, so talk about, you know, statistics and everything like that. It was, it was nice to get 100, but it was actually um, 100 that helped us, along with Kane, who also got a brilliant 100 in the third Test, to win that Test and win the Test Series. Um, you know, meaningful contributions is is what I want to, um, I guess be contributing and to do that um, on foreign soil, away from home, and to be a little bit a little bit a part of history, it was really cool and really special and something that certainly spurred me on to to keep, to continue to try and do those meaningful contributions, knowing that you know the work you put in over a Test match, five days with guys, um, it is it is really special, you know, and I think it's really great that the way Test cricketers. Um, the test championship starting up uh, this year you know test cricket for us anyway is going to increase as well to hopefully around at least eight tests a year which is massive you know and it, it is really I kind know of for me the, the pinnacle um the pinnacle format um and i say every time i get to pull on the the test the test cap and on, on the whites it, it's always really
1: really special now ah, awesome answer awesome answer i want to sort of finish with a bit of a reflective question and you seem like you're, uh, as we touched on before, a lot of self-awareness, always thinking about how you can improve Um, and obviously looking back without any regrets, of course, because it's a journey, you're constantly learning, as you say before, but if you were to write a letter to a 15-year-old version of Henry Nichols, what advice, knowing what you know now at the ripe old age of 27, what, what, what advice would you put in that letter? What would you say to that person?
0: Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't think you want to change the journey because that is so uh, yeah, no, that's what's that's that's the fun part. I think it's probably at the time, the tough times you don't think about that, but um it, it certainly um has made me, yeah. Grateful for Ram now but going through some of those tough experiences. But I guess, you know, I, you look back and and that's something um, you know, to a little bit of trade, but Brendan McCullum, when he was captain, I was lucky enough to have a few games under his captaincy and that's what he talked about, you know, the the enjoyment side of things. And you look back to the kid you were when you were ten years old and playing with no fear of consequences of getting out or not having a good day at cricket or like that. It's you just enjoy being out there. You enjoy taking the game on. You enjoy playing with your mates. And I think that's something that um, with any professional sport, any time you go up any level, you you, you do lose it. You do lose a little bit of. I guess that the innocence or the the purity of the game, which we all started with, I think the more you can find find your way. And for me, the stuff we talked about the mental side of the game, my processes, um, my definition of success, keeping things simple allows me to then go back to um, enjoying it as much as I can, and actually being okay with making mistakes because um, you know while they while they hurt at the time, and you'd do anything to. <laughs> To, get, uh, to go back and not play that bad shot or whatever it is, it's actually, it is part of the journey. And it's, you know, like I say, when you're a kid, you didn't, you weren't fearing um, making a mistake and you weren't fearing, um, you know, being being vulnerable. So um, I think for me, you know, it is that really enjoyment side of things and knowing that um, you be true to yourself and that's in terms of the way you go about everything, not just cricket, but actually the way you, go about you know being a person and being a good person I think is is what gives you that um ultimately that that enjoyment and you know I look back and be very grateful for the people I've had around me and I think I'm a a product of that you know my family but also the people in the cricket circles who have helped me um get my game to where it is now Um, I've still got a long way to go with my game I hope um but like I say actually enjoying enjoying each opportunity is is as an opportunity not not a you know you have you have a bad day at cricket and that's you don't get any runs and you're a bad cricketer and you do get runs and you're a good cricketer. I guess trying to find that, that levelness um to be to be philosophical about things and use each good and bad experience as a learning opportunity, I think, is what um you know, I've been lucky enough to find that mantra. Um I think, you know, the quicker you can find that, the quicker young guys can find that, um, is certainly a is a is a good start and something that yeah, the way you want to play.
1: Now, well, I think that answer sort of sums it up nicely. And so much is uh, a lot of stuff you talked about today is is very simple uh, beliefs, processes, systems. So there's nothing overly complicated. So to boil it down to just enjoy the game. I mean, that's what you you got into it in the in the first place. And as a young fella, that's exactly what you did. You just took on the game, you enjoyed it, you played it the way you want to. I think often we complicate things. So I think a lot of the stuff you talked about today. They're just uh, super simple processes and philosophies to live by. Harder to do consistently, of course. Um, not many people can do that, but I think you've given the listeners some fantastic takeaways. Uh, I'm certainly inspired by some of the stuff you talked about, and I'm sure the listeners will be as well. But um, really appreciate uh, you taking the time to unpack some of the stuff, and that's the whole idea of the podcast, Henry. So congrats. Uh, not many people can say that they're in the top 10 of uh, – of the world and anything, yeah, you are there. Um, so congratulations, mate, um, and all the very best for, for what comes next. Uh, I'm sure if you're keeping uh, some of these philosophies uh, top of mind and, and and living by the lifestyle and whatnot that you talk about, I've got no doubt there'll be a lot of success. So I wanna really sort of thank you and, and appreciate taking the time to, to share those things with Alyssa's today. Yeah, no worries, thanks for having me on, Sean. In the end, I, I trust that you'll get some really good takeaway points from the podcast. There's some very simple uh, notions or things that Henry shares that I think are not only true in sport, but also true in life outside of sport, whether that's in business or life in general. So I trust that you enjoy that. Really appreciate you taking the time to tune in and thank you for joining us here and and uh, make sure you join us in the future. We've got some fantastic people on the podcast coming forward, so tune in, uh, put a reminder on your iTunes or whatever the case is to get those notifications thanks for joining us and look forward to joining you in the future. Thank you.